Good night, wherever you are in the world. Welcome back to another episode of the Reconnect with Your Teenager podcast with yours truly, Emma G. Uh, this is a podcast series that I put together where I get to interview a range of experts when it comes to youth empowerment, youth coaching, youth therapy, youth counseling, and everything in between because myself. I am a youth empowerment through songwriting coach where I work with young people between the ages of 13 and 18 to channel their trauma, struggles, and stress through the art of music and songwriting. But of course, we all know that in order to disrupt a system that is slightly broken when it comes to youth work and youth empowerment work, there's no one way to make an impact, make an impression, and help the next generation become their best, baddest, and bravest selves. So I get to chat with experts in a whole diaspora of fields that, you know, also approaches the industry in a slightly unique style. This podcast is obviously brought to you by the Fantas Union. Super, super shout out to them. And of course, the members of MHG Nation who are my Patreon community. Today, however, I am honored and so excited to be speaking with somebody who does such important work all the way from an hour from Atlanta in Georgia. We have Ms. Sandra, sorry, Sandra Golden. How are you today, my love? I'm doing wonderful and I hope that you are too. And thank you for having me on. Of course, your work is just so gorgeous and needed. And I was, I was saying to you just before we went live that, you know, you are basically doing the kind of work I wish I had access to when I was a teenager because obviously I've been writing music and and singing and doing all kinds of self-expression since I was very, very young, but that doesn't necessarily give or didn't necessarily give me the tools to recognize some of the crappy things that happen to adolescent girls, um, namely when it comes to dating abuse, when you're learning to love and then, uh uh-oh, you found yourself with somebody who is not the best pot in the cupboard. I don't know how to say that politely, but (laughs) so please tell me a little bit about yourself because you work with mothers specifically to build strong bonds with their daughters. Yes, I do. Um, Uh, And effective communication. Tell me all about that, please. Uh. It rolls out of when I initially wrote my book. When I wrote my book, Make It Stop a Young Woman's Guide to Overcome or Prevent Dating Abuse, it was meant to help mothers have that conversations with their daughters. I had a relationship with my mother, but I don't think it was that of a bond where I felt comfortable talking to her about everything. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times mothers don't feel comfortable talking to their daughters about things, you know, it's wait till you get older, but that age never comes. Right. Uh, (laughs) Or you're too young right now, Mm. but you can't decide what age it is you want to talk to them. Or you just figure, I got it on my own. They'll figure it out. If they need something, they'll come to me. So when I wrote my book, it was a way for mothers to 
read the book with their daughters or each read it and then they come together and talk about it. And during the launching of my book, I realized that there was still no discussion. I had mothers telling me that they had been abused as a teenager themselves and they were buying my book to help their daughters. And so my thing was, oh, you're going to read the book together and talk. Oh, no, I'm going to just give them the book. The book will help them out. And it was like, I've got to change the game of this. I've got to change the way we're thinking as mothers. And so I created a program to help them learn how to communicate, have these difficult conversations, um, because we have to talk a different language than when we grew up, because the world is changing. There's so much the the kids nowadays have access to that we didn't. So we have to change the game. This hits home for me in so many ways. Um, you know, I was a precocious adolescent, if, if I can say so myself. Um, and so my first actual technical abuse was, you know, from the age of six. Um, and it just got, you know, exacerbated uh, when I was 12, 13, through to, gosh, six years ago, <laughs> you know, um, it's, it's amazing the, 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 the habits we yeah. kind of form as a result of right. the, uh, the decisions we make as young people. I, I'm, I'm curious, you, you mentioned, you know, um, that a lot of the parents that you're talking to are bringing up when they have conversations with you that they also had traumatic experiences when it comes to relationships when they were teenagers uh, when they were younger, but you're saying you're right, the world has changed so significantly, and I feel as if, and I may be wrong here, the kind of ages where that trauma occurs has perhaps gotten even younger. How does that fit in with the work you're doing? I tell mothers, I teach them that you need to start communicating and building that relationship with your daughter when they're younger. Uh, that was the thing I had to learn how to do, being uh, an abuse survivor uh, from teen dating abuse. I was abused by my boyfriend uh, at the age of between 15 and 16 when we started dating. Uh, and I did not have that person that I felt I could go to and talk to. So I suffered in silence. Mm. Um, and I never wanted that for my daughters. So I went to nursing school. Then I took a break from nursing school and took nothing but psychology classes. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I had to figure out, one, why did I allow that to happen to me? Two, why did I stay? Why did I keep going back? And then three, what was my why to get out? And how, what I learned from all of that, I could help my daughters uh, and so my daughters were sort of, I guess, my test subjects uh, because there were things that I told them at certain ages that people were like, oh, you shouldn't have told them that. Why would you ever tell them oh. that? Oh, I would be so embarrassed. I had one person um, who told me that they had uh, been abused as a teenager and they had never told their parents and they definitely weren't going to tell their children. And she asked me, she says, why did you ever tell yours? I say, because I needed them to know that I wasn't perfect, that I made mistakes, mistakes that I did not want them to make. 
I wanted them to know the things they needed to look out for and why I knew they needed to look out for them. And, you know, I think we have this grandiose idea as parents that our children will look at us differently and they won't. Actually, it will bring them closer to you because Mm -hmm. they realize mom made mistakes, but look at her now. And I think parents have to come to a realization that it's okay to say I need help to learn how to parent or I need to learn how to conversate with my teen or my tween. Um, Because, I mean, you do. I did. I had to learn how to communicate. And I'm still learning because things change so much. Um, But I learned from them the same way they learned from me. It's interesting you mention about um, mistakes you've made as a teenager or a tween teenager. <laughs> um, is you know, I feel as if over, especially since the Me Too movement became a thing, there has been a significant shift towards thinking about the ownership or the um, the ownership of a situation right. moving from the the, the woman or the young girl mm-hmm. over to the, the responsibility of the perpetrator, really. Um, so when it comes to like the, the abuse factor and, and sort of taking ownership and also giving ownership, because realistically speaking, you, you know, sure, we all make mistakes, but also it was more of their <laughs> muck up, right, yours, right. obviously. How does that um, conversation how do you facilitate that kind of conversation when it comes to a being aware and making sure that you do all you can to make, to protect yourself, but also not taking on all of the responsibility of somebody else's misdemeanors? Um, Because you're just honest. My thing was with my daughters uh, and what I tell the mothers that I coach, you have to, in some ways, take the ownership that you the part you played. Mm, No, it was not my fault. No, I did not deserve it. No, I did not ask for it. However, I allowed it. Right. And that comes into teaching how to set boundaries. Amen. Yeah, your parents tell you, oh, don't let a boy hit you. But when you're there and you're in love or you're searching for something, because that was me. I was searching for someone to tell me they loved me. I had loving parents, but they did not tell me. They didn't necessarily, they weren't those uh, touchy-touchy, feely-feely hug type people, you know. Mm -hmm. And I knew they loved me, but for me, I needed to know. And that's another thing as parents. We have to know the type of love language that our children speak. They usually have one primary. Some of them encompass all of the five love languages. Some only one or two. But you have to learn that because that's how you relate to them and get them talking to you to build that bond. But you take ownership of your part while letting them know that it wasn't your fault. It was, you know, they're the ones who committed it. But, you know, you have to get past that mm. in order for you to get whole. You ha- you can't wait on them to give you an apology Amen. because you're probably <laughs> you're probably never, ever get it. Nope. Uh, so you deal with the part that you played. You take ownership of it and then you do something about it. I love that. I love that so much. And I love that you bring up the five love languages because I think you're completely right that we, we, um, there is, there is a definite diaspora, um, uh, sort of 
miscommunication, I think, mm -hmm. in a lot of ways that people parent when it comes to the love that their children want and also the love that the children give. And I feel like there's a there's often a difference um, there when it comes to how we receive and how we want to um, give. Um, you also made mention of physical abuse, but there are many different types oh, of abuse. Yes. Mm -hmm. So is there a different approach to mentoring, supporting, um, coaching a, a child through emotional, mental, physical, and sexual um, abuses? Are they, are they all different yeah. ways or how does that work? It's some ways the same and some different because when you talk about emotional verbal, it's the way that you're being talked to. Mm. But we also have to realize that as a mother living in a household with maybe a spouse, maybe a significant other, that is something that our child is seeing us do and accept, and therefore we're normalizing it. Right. So right. if you have a husband and the two of you are a significant other, you're always arguing, you're always fighting, uh, you're yelling at each other, calling each other's names. It's normal to the child. So when they start dating and a boyfriend says, you're so stupid, ain't nobody going to want you but me. Mm. That's okay with you. It's mm. been normalized because you may not have heard the same exact verbiage, but you've heard your mother or your daddy say that to one another or that significant other. And so now you go along with it. So we as mothers have to be cognizant. That's what I tell them. You have to look at your situation and be honest with yourself. I like mm -hmm. to say get naked with yourself and really realize what part you're playing in this. And you don't know that unless you're going to be honest with yourself and unless you're having these communications with your, your daughter. You've mm -hmm. got to be able to relate to them. But mm -hmm. a lot of times we don't communicate. We talk. And we usually do it in passing. Hmm. it's a difference when that child is two or three years old you feel as though they need you 24 7 they can't do anything you know you've got to feed them you've got to clothe them you've got to bathe them anywhere they go you have to take them so you feel that they're totally dependent on you and they need you but as they get older you pull away or they pull away because they're not getting the same attention that they got when they were between that two, maybe and oh, eight years old. Huh. Because now you're thinking, I need to let them grow. They need to be their own person. They need to be independent. And while all of that is true, they still need you to guide them. Because in most mm -hmm. instances, even though you feel as though they don't need you, they do. But just think about you. If you've got a friend and you call that friend and you don't know that that friend is having issues or they may be going through something and they don't return the call. Our first is, I'm not going to keep calling them. I'm not going to keep calling them. They don't they don't they don't want to return my call. They don't. We do our kids the same way. And you can. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's such a good point. That's such a good point. I had never thought of it that way. But the, yeah. yeah. You're right. They're just you're 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 taking away the uh, you know in, in terms of filling like helping them to fill their cup. You've you've taken away their water supplies. So they have to seek seek that somewhere else. Somewhere else. Right. Yes. Right. Same way with my granddaughter. She 
she likes to stay in her room and on the her devices. And I told them, you need to communicate with her. You need to find out the things that she likes. Uh, do it. Even if you don't like it, try it. And then find out if you try it, now you have something to converse about. What right. is it about this that you like? Because I, can, I I don't see it. Please explain it to me. You're having a conversation. She like she came and stayed with me for about a summer, uh, for about a month this summer, past summer, and uh, she kept listening at this stuff on YouTube. And I was like, "What are you listening to on YouTube?" And she said, "K-pop." Oh, stop it! And so <laughs> me, I'm looking at her. And she's like, you're not going to like it. I say, you don't know whether I'm going to like it or not. Because first of all, I don't even know what it is. So I can't say I do or I don't like it. I says, tell me about it. So she started telling me about it. So one day we were in the car and she had her uh, earbuds in. And I was like, what are you listening to? She said, okay, but I said, let's hook it up to the, to the car. So we hooked it up. We listened at it. And I was like, oh, she said, Nana, you look like you like that music because I was jamming. I did like it. <laughs> <laughs> I had never heard of it. And so I told her, I say, Sita, you thought I wasn't going to like it. I like it. And so I started asking her, what is it that you like about it? Well, don't you like Beyonce? And she was like, oh, this is so different from Beyonce. Right, but we right. were able to talk. And I mean, we had a conversation and then we started talking about other different types of music. And I said, well, listen at this. So then I would cut it to something and she was like, oh, I like that, Nana. So we were engaging, but I was paying attention to her and asking her questions. So now when she had something new or whatever, she would say, Nana, listen at this. She'd come mm -hmm. and we talked about it. You've got to get to, to know them. And I mean, it could have been that I wouldn't have liked K-pop. But then that was another conversation and a way we could go with it. What is it about that you don't like? Well, why don't you like this music? But you have to engage with them. You have to get on their level. From K-pop to the OJs. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it's brilliant because, you know, K-pop is certainly, it's, it's doing mm -hmm. the rounds, you know. Yeah. This, this, uh, the last couple of years, especially since the advent of TikTok. And I, I, you really um, pinpointed a really brilliant point, which was, you know, the communication styles have changed for this generation. Um, and therefore, the way we have to relate to our young people Absolutely. has changed. The way that we need to have these conversations around, you know, boyfriends and experimentation and everything else in between has to change. I think a lot of um, teenagers are now obviously moving to Instagram reels and TikTok in order to mm -hmm. get this information for themselves, um, which can be a beautiful thing or it can be incredibly damaging. And obviously my, my lens of doing that is using songwriting as a tool to find the words to at least explain themselves. Exactly, a way right? for them to express it. But I'm just waiting for you to like hit to TikTok and start creating like a, a Sandra Golden TikTok <laughs> channel where it's like, okay, let's connect these these dots between. Oh. You know, I love that. I love that so much. Um, you also mentioned back a couple of minutes ago, you were talking about how um, the, what were you saying? You were, talk, you were talking about the, the different types of um, trauma, et cetera, when it comes to watching how our parents 
um, respond and react and and connect when they're in the household. I recently read that, however, trauma can happen, can be passed on to a child Mm -hmm. from as early as I think it was four months in uterine, Mm -hmm. which blew my mind. So my next question is a little bit complicated because I'm curious to know, a lot of mothers these days had children relatively young um, and even when I say young, I'm talking about like any, any time before 30, um, you know, okay. Um, I had no children, but I see you. Um, okay. And you know, when you're under the age of 30, generally speaking, you've still got a lot of learning to do. I mean, we've always mm-hmm. got learning to do, but if you are a mother that is still trying to figure shit out, <laughs> and you have a child and as you're evolving and growing and developing better habits both in self and in parent- parenting are there ways that you can kind of navigate that process to also ensure that any you know um in uterine trauma is also being fixed or um, supported for your child as you're going through your process. Yeah, because once you acknowledge, and what they call them are adverse childhood events. Aces. Aces, yep. right. Yep. <laughs> so as you realize what your aces are, then you're more equipped to be able to guide your child in a different way so that they don't experience those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, my daughter. I had my daughter at 17. Had not a clue what being a mama was, uh, not had a clue of how I was going to help her navigate to mm-hmm. not experience the things that I experienced. Right. Because my teen dating abuse was not my first experience. I took piano lessons, wanted to play the piano. And my parents found <laughs> my parents found this prominent uh, piano teacher who they could afford. And he sexually assaulted me. And from that point, it was like, forget the piano. Yeah, don't want to do real. it. I lost my desire. Um, and we ch- they thought that maybe she needs a different teacher. Maybe she's not relating to this one. And so they gave me another one, but it was just. It's nope. game over. Yeah. Uh, game over. Uh, so I wanted my, I did not, I wanted to be able to prepare them. Uh, so there were things like I did, I said, I did unconventionally. Uh, I, my daughter was always advanced. I like to read. So that was something we did together and mm. talked about the things we read. And so she started school. She started first grade at like four and a half mm-hmm. and then they skipped her. Mm-hmm. And so she was really advanced. So when she was 10 years old, she was attending classes with 12 and 13 year olds. Right. And so she comes home one day and she says, mom, what's jack off? And I looked at, yep. And I looked at her and I was like, okay. Cause I had to contain my composure because I didn't want to overreact. And so I was like, hmm. So where did you hear that from? As I'm trying to collect my thoughts. She said, these girls at school, they were talking about it, but they said what it was, but I didn't really understand it. And instead of asking them anything else, 
I decided I'd come in and ask you. There goes that mother-daughter relationship. And so as a mother, I didn't uh. want to just automatically respond because I needed to get my thoughts together on how I could explain this to a 10-year-old that right. she would understand. And I didn't want to tell her, oh, you're too young. Don't worry about it. We'll talk about it later. No, if you're exactly old enough now. to ask it, you're old enough for me to tell you. I just got to right. find the way to tell it to you. And so I said, go in your room, change. I say, I, I know what it is, but mommy has to process it so that she can explain it to you where you can understand it. And I think that's another thing. You don't have to automatically respond. Let them know. I know what it is, or I don't know what it is. Let's find out together, whichever it is. But you want to be able to give them that information because they're inquisitive. And if you don't give it to them, then they're going to go back. Because if I had not told her, I'm almost 100% sure she would have went back to school the next day mm. and asked those girls and they would have told her wrong. Because when we finished the conversation and I asked, well, what did they tell you? And I'm like, no, that ain't nowhere near right, boo. <laughs> Right. And, and, you know, that, that wrong information can be so dangerous. It can be, it can mm. be. Mm. Mm. I want to talk about your book. Okay. So you have a book that mm -hmm. is, it's kind of gone on a bit of a journey as you've written it, because as you've mentioned before, you know, your initial intentions were to write a book for parents Right. to read with their young person right. so, or with their daughter uh, in order to navigate their dating and relationships and abuse um, together. However, you also mentioned that a lot of the parents you've been speaking with have kind of just been like, oh, great, I'm going to give this to my daughter for Christmas and then leave <laughs> it at that. So <laughs> tell me about the uh, inspiration behind this book. The inspiration was my my journey, uh, how I felt, uh, what I was going through. And I talk about different pieces of it as I'm telling what you need to watch out for and explaining the different types of abuse, the gaslighting, where they have you so convinced that it's all you and it's in your head mm. that there's something wrong with you, not them. Uh, about trying to change somebody. And you can't change a person who don't even know they have a problem. Uh, talking to them about how to recognize that verbal or that mental abuse, what it looks like, and just taking them through each phase. But also for those girls who are suffering in silence and they may have already uh, experienced it, but they haven't exposed it to someone that there mm -hmm. is somebody that you can find. You can think of one person that you can go to. It may not be your mom. Mm -hmm. It could be a counselor at school, but someone that you feel safe enough to talk to about it, that you need to let them know so that they can help you and or get you additional help if you need it because I you need that, that help. Uh, and so we just talk about those things in there. And then we talk about if you've been through it, the art of forgiveness, that it's not for the other person, it's for you. Mm -hmm. Because as long as you are worried about uh, what they did to you and how they did to you, yes, they were wrong. There's no doubt about it. But you have to forgive them, not for them, but for you, because you need to take your power back. Amen. And as long as you are 
angry at them, they still have control because you're angry at them. You're mad at them. They've gone on with their lives. <laughs> and you're still holding on with his anger. And right. Yeah. So yeah. you need to let go and, and, and move on. Is it easy? No, it's a daily journey, you know, and then there still will be throughout your life things that may trigger you. You know, and then I talk about a little bit about boundaries. You need to set those boundaries uh, and stick to them. And that's another thing mothers need to do. As mothers, we don't even set boundaries. So how can we teach our daughters? So that's something else I teach in my program, how you can help your daughter, you know, implement and help yourself as well if you don't know how to set those boundaries. I love all of that. I love all of that. So you've got a book, you have a program, it's all available at saundragolden.com. Um, with regards to, and I like, sorry, I can jar from uh, from the Rounders Union, bring back up your, your uh, graphic for the book, please, because you have mentioned there are like five different pointers that you really cover on in this book. And that is, um, you know, it's, it's, you mentioned that there was, there we go, uh, learning the factors that can cause abuse and understanding the types of abuse, learning how to help your daughter build self-esteem and confidence, learning how to forgive to move forward in their lives. I love that point so much. Uh, learning the difference between an unhealthy relationship versus a healthy relationship, hashtag boundaries, and learning how to utilize the information from this book to communicate with your daughter about dating safely. This Sandra, like I said, you are the person I wish I had access to when I was 12, 13 years old. Um, I love what you're doing so much. And I, I have one slight point that I kind of want to want to pick on a little bit. And I, and I okay. forgive you. Forgive me if this is um, a little bit unorthodox. But one of the things that I specifically um, want to honor you for is that th these topics are topics that are hard to discuss in most Western cultures. However, I have noticed since living in, in Washington, D.C. since 2015, that there is a significant lack of Black therapists and Black youth, <laughs> youth workers. And the fact that you're showing up for your community in Atlanta and in the States and just, just worldwide um, is such a powerful thing. Is there a specific, um, you know, audience that you're you're wanting to cater for? Is this something that is specific to a particular religion or or age group or anything? Because, like, I, for me, when I was growing up, it, you know, I I reigned from Fiji, Iran, Norway, America, and New Zealand. So finding a, a good therapist to help me navigate my trauma was really difficult because a lot of the therapists that I was working with came from a very white lens, which is nothing wrong with that right. at all. But it was hard for me to relate to in, multi in multiple ways, right? And hard for them to relate to me in multiple ways. Um, is there anything in particular that you can speak on when it comes to that cultural aspect of how you're working? Uh it just depends because like you say, everybody is different and you may not be that fit for everyone. Uh, so what I usually do is set up with a consultation call. Uh, we talk. Uh, and if it's something that I don't feel that I can help you or I don't feel that we can connect, 
then I will try to refer you to someone else that I may know who can help you in that situation uh, or try to help you find uh, a counselor or some other assets because I want you to be able to get the help. But for me, if I can help you regardless of color, culture, ethnicity, uh, I'm there for you because I just want this this conversation to continue and to grow. So like you say, we can empower our, our younger generation. I love that so much. And I and I cannot wait for your TikTok challenge uh, channel to, to come out and, and have all kinds of tips. But you're just a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of wisdom, a wealth of love. Um, I, I really, I want to honor you, Sandra. Thank you so much. Really, truly. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share with our wonderful audience before we bid our farewells? Uh, the only thing I'd like to share is just to let mothers know that you need to build that relationship with your daughter. It is so important. Uh, they look to you as a role model and we need to be there for them, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And sometimes you need help doing that. And so don't be afraid to get the help. And if you're unsure if you need the help, seek it out anyway. It can, <laughs> it can only help better your communication and your relationship with your daughter. Preach, preach. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Sandra Golden, her debut book, Make It Stop, A Young Girl's Guide to Preventing Dating Abuse, is, of course, available at sandragolden.com. That is S A U. N-D-R-A, golden, because she's golden.com. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for tuning in tonight, today, this morning, wherever you are in the world. My name is Emma G. This is the Reconnect With Your Teenager podcast, produced by none other than the Ranters Union and the infamous, not infamous, infamous is a bad thing, the famous Jar Logic, uh, with thank you to the Emma G Nation Patreon supporters, Thank you so much. My cat is popping in to say goodbye. Um, have a great day, guys. Be good, be kind. Remember to connect with your teenager. It's only one song away. I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
going down quietly. I know how to create my destiny. When it's bright as light, the evergreen knows it. I left behind the what if. I broke up with the negative. I'm flirting with abundance, and I'm drinking it in. My purpose is magic. Cause I was pinpoint when my love began. I'm so glad that I know who I am. Cause I'm a woman, I'm not a man. Living through the love wind.